Living a Life of Prayer is the name of our new series. And the reality is for, for some of us, prayer is reserved for meal times, for bedtimes, for times of crisis. Hello? And if I polled the room today, I, I, I know that some of us would say that when we pray, we, we sometimes have questions like, is this really working? Is God really listening? Come on, be honest with yourself today. And so over the course of the next several weeks, we want to look at biblical principles of prayer. And we want to help you apply those to, how many of you think it's important that we apply biblical principles in prayer to our lives? Come on. Like that can be a game changer. And so we want to do that in the weeks ahead. I heard a story about a ship that was sinking and they were in the ocean and the storm was raging. The ship was sinking and the captain calls out to the crew and he says, is there anyone that knows how to pray? Crisis, right? And one of the, one of the people in the crew says, yeah, I do. I, I know how to pray. Maybe thinking that he was going to get like a promotion on board. And the captain says, well, good. You start praying. We're all going to put our life jackets on because we're one short. Good luck. Come on. How many of you know you're going to pray a little differently in that moment when you're the one person on board without a life jacket? Now, you might be here this morning and, and maybe you would say, I, you know, I haven't even decided to follow Jesus yet. So I, I really don't know where to even begin when it comes to prayer. Or maybe you're here and, and you've, you've lived in, in a religious kind of background. You maybe grew up in church or you've spent some time in church. But when it comes to relating with God and connecting with God through prayer, you would still maybe say, yeah, I don't know that I'm where I should be in that area. Or maybe there are some of us here who you've, you've walked closely with God and you've enjoyed seasons of prayer in your life that were powerful. But then there, there are sometimes those seasons where we, we don't feel the Lord like we used to or we don't feel as connected as we once did. Here's the thing, no matter where we land on that spectrum, we can all grow in our prayer lives. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for a few days or for many, many years, we can all grow in this area of prayer. Now, uh, there was a time many, many years ago before I was born, which wasn't that many years ago, actually. I keep telling myself that. There was a time years ago when I remember when my mom would make her grocery list and, and it would be time, you know, for her to do her shopping. And I remember she would have different lists for different stores. Like she would have her list for Kroger. Some of y'all don't know about Kroger. That's a Midwestern chain now. Come on. Uh, she would have her list for Dollar General. Come on, we're trying to do things on the cheap. She would have her Walmart list. She would have her drugstore list. She would have like multiple lists, right? And as a kid, you see this and you're like, man, that's a lot of work, right? How many of you know times have changed? There's this guy named Sam Walton. All right now. And he created the superstore, right? We all know it as Walmart or Sam's Club, but Walmart, right? Now you just go to Walmart. It's a one-stop shop. You can get toys for your kids, groceries, toiletries. You need a prescription, stop by, stop by the uh, RX in the, in the Walmart. Uh, you need to get your eyes checked. 
hello, go right on down, get your eyes checked, you can get your glasses. Oh, you got a tire problem or something wrong with your car? Go ahead, pull around back, hello? It's a one-stop shop, Walmart. Now, how many of you are like me and you like to avoid Walmart at all costs? Well, come on, I, I hate Walmart. I don't like going there at all. If Disney World is the happiest place on earth, Walmart, to me, must be the unhappiest place on earth. And, and look, during the pandemic, you know, uh, we've kind of discovered this thing that Walmart does. They deliver. Well, they bring, it, bring Walmart right to your front door. I think I've probably been at Walmart about two or three times this year. That's it. And that was only out of, like, emergency, right? But we, even though we can get it all at Walmart, we like to avoid Walmart, Right? And in a, in a weird kind of spiritual paradigm sense, prayer is our one-stop shop. Hello? Everything you need, you can find in Jesus, and you can connect with him in prayer. The odd thing is that sometimes we treat prayer like Walmart. We avoid it at all costs. Hello? And so... If we're honest, even when we do pray, many times our prayers, I don't know, I, I hope it's not just me, but I've been guilty of this. I know my, my kids are guilty of this when we oftentimes pray on the way to school. Uh, there's a pattern that can develop in our prayers. See if this sounds familiar. Lord, help me. Lord, bless me. Lord, protect me. Lord, help my family. Lord, bless my family. Lord, protect my family, right? If we're honest, many times our prayers can be kind of self-centered, right? And so I want to ask the question today, what if the point of prayer had actually very little to do with just getting God to do stuff? What if the point of prayer was bigger, so much bigger than just getting God to do stuff on our behalf? How many of you would agree it'd be nice if there was like an instruction manual on prayer, right? Like, man, can, can we just get like a clear instruction manual, some guidance on like how to pray? Well, newsflash, the 12 disciples felt that way also. And there was a time that we read about in scripture we're going to look at today where they saw Jesus praying and they noticed there was something different about how he was connected to the Father than the way that they had prayed up to that point. Are y'all with me today? And they looked at Jesus praying and they were like, uh, could you teach us how to pray like that? And so today we're going to look at that passage of scripture that we know as the Lord's Prayer. You can find it in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading from the book of Matthew today. But man, have you ever been around somebody that when they prayed, it just felt a little different than the way that you prayed? You were like, man, they got like a prayer hotline, direct line to God. And I imagine that's kind of what the disciples felt when they looked at Jesus's connection to the Father. And so we read about this in Matthew chapter six, verses five and six. We'll start today. We'll read all the way through to verse 13. He said, Jesus said this, talking to the disciples, when you pray, well, pause, <clears throat> excuse me. He didn't say, if you pray, hello? He starts by saying, when you pray. 
Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, again, he says, when you pray, go into your room. Wait, Jesus told the disciples to go to their room? He said, go into your room, close the door. In other words, lock out any distractions. And pray to your father who is unseen. So Jesus begins talking about prayer by telling the disciples where to pray. He says, go to your room and close the door and pray to your father. But wait, 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 wait. Does that mean I can't pray like driving down the I-10, driving down the interstate? Lord, help me not to uh, get road rage with the way people are driving today. Or does that mean I can't pray on my way to work? Lord, help me not to lose it on my coworkers who are really getting on my nerves. Or uh, Does that mean we can't pray on the way to school? Lord, uh, let there not be any quizzes or tests today. Right, right, right. No, no, no. We, we can pray in any setting. But Jesus is teaching a principle on prayer here. Because oftentimes what happens is we spend our lives praying on the run. Lord, help me, help me right now. Help me, Jesus, in this moment. Oh, Lord, let this go well. Let, let this happen. Let that happen. Be with me right now, Lord. Right? We, we pray on the run. And that's okay to pray on the run. I'm not saying don't pray on the run. But there's a principle here that, that Jesus is teaching that prayer actually should happen in a dedicated spot, in a dedicated time, in a dedicated place. And so essentially what he's saying is you have to have a time, a place, and a plan. He's saying you need a place and you need a time and you need to have a plan. Now, for me, my, my best, when, I, when I'm praying uh, most consistently and, and, and doing the best in prayer, I, I have a consistent time in the mornings. My place is one of two places. It's either uh, my living room and kitchen at the house, and I just kind of buzz around and, and, like, clean and pray at the same time. It's magical. I love it right? I feel like I'm multi, multitasking. It's like good things are happening spiritually and good things are happening physically as my house gets cleaned and me and God are connected. It's just something about vacuuming and praying that I love it, okay? So I like to pray at home, but I also like to pray in here. And those are really my two places. And my time is, is gen, generally in the morning, right? And my plan, I could probably do better, but, but the, the idea here is that we need a time, a place, and a plan. Jesus says, go into your room and lock the door. And he, it doesn't mean that we can't pray on the run. It just means that in order to pray effectively, we need more than just praying on the run. Hello? Now, maybe for you it's five minutes or 10 minutes, and maybe for others it might be 20 or 25, and, and we can grow in that area. But here's the, here's the idea. In our relationships, not just with God, but just think about an earthly relationship that you have, maybe a friend or a spouse. If you only ever connect with them in, in between the busyness of your schedule, how many of you know it, you, can feel, you can begin to feel disconnected? If it's just hit and miss, like passing conversations, right? We, we, we don't connect well that way. But if we have a dedicated 
time where we can sit down and we can have an intimate conversation and our focus is on one another and we're not distracted by what's next on the schedule. How many of you know there's a different level of intimacy when you sit down and connect with someone in that way? Amen. And so that's the idea that Jesus is talking about here. He says, you've got to have a time, you've got to have a place and you've got to have a plan. Let's keep reading in verses seven and eight. And Jesus says again, and when you pray, there's that word again, when, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Well, anybody ever known one of those kind of prayer people? Like they just, they're trying to pray over dinner and they just won't stop praying. And you're like, come on, amen, I'm hungry, right? They're trying to say some elaborate dinner prayer. You're just trying to eat, right? They think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus is, look, the the disciples came up in the religious sector, in a religious Jewish culture. And so he's basically saying, hey, look, I know you've seen people pray. Forget about what you've seen. Forget about what you've seen happen. Forget about how the religious leaders are praying because they just want to be seen before men. Hello? Hello? I, I, I want you to pray differently than that. He says, it's not about your oratory greatness. Aren't we glad for that? It's not about how, how elaborate your vocabulary is. It's not about all that. And then he says, your father in heaven already knows what you need. Well, wait a second. Wait, I, what's the point? Like, what's the point in praying? If God already knows, then why am I praying? Hello? And now we're on the verge of a breakthrough in prayer. If we can wrap our heads around this. If God already knows what I need, then maybe prayer is more than just about submitting my wish list to God. Do do we really think that God's up there like, hey, uh, hold on, slow down. You went a little too fast right there. Like, let me get my notepad out. Let me write that down. No, God knows what we need. And so that must mean then, if we're going to have a powerful and effective prayer life, that it is about more than just submitting our wish list to God. Amen? But how many of you know we like to submit our wish list to God? That's kind of where we tend to go. And and so Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. In other words, pray this way. And what he's about to do here is give the disciples not just a rote prayer. I I need you to catch this this morning. The Lord's Prayer is not just a rote prayer that we just say from memory. Okay, you can pray it that way and that's, that's good. But what he's really giving them is a model or a pathway of prayer. Okay, and there are principles within this model that I want us to to get into our hearts and our spirits today. And so Jesus gives them this model and he begins in verse nine by saying, this is how you should pray. Begin like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So how many of you know that's a little different than saying, uh, hey, God, hope you're good. Here's my list right now for today. Right? It's different than that. He's saying, first of all, the way that you approach God matters. And 
We approach God as our father. That is an intimate word that it, it, it denotes an intimate relationship with God. He's our father. Come on, like no matter what our perspective on our earthly father might be, for some of us, it's really good. For others of us, even like myself, it's not so good. You can throw that perspective out the window because how many of you know our heavenly father has our best interest in mind? Come on. Our heavenly father, we, we can trust him. Like it, we're, we're relating to God as father. It's, it's, it's intimate. Amen. It's an intimate connection. So he says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I don't know about you, but this is not a word I use in conversation. Okay. I don't, I like, I, I've never used that word except for reading it from scripture. So what, what does that mean? What, what does hallowed mean? To hallow means to respect or honor greatly or to revere. Man, it's, it's like this crazy paradigm that we can relate to God as our father. Man, you don't talk to your dad just any kind of way. Amen. You can't just come any kind of way. There's an honor. There's a reverence, right? But it's also an intimacy. So essentially what we're saying is, God, you are my father and you are awesome. I, I honor you. I respect you. I revere you. How many of you know Jesus' name is above every other name? Amen. And so it's a matter of coming to God, relating to him as our father, but also understanding how awesome he is. And he goes on in verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, before we get to your list, let me submit to your will. How many of you know you have a will? You have a kingdom. I have a will, what I want. I have a kingdom, the things that I am involved in and doing. Come on, we all have a will in a kingdom. And this is the part of the, the journey that Jesus is taking the disciples on where he says, this is where you lay down your will, you lay down your kingdom, and you ask God to bend your heart towards his will, towards his kingdom. So what if the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will and not to impose it? Hello? What if the purpose of prayer is it's not a vending machine where we say, okay, I'm putting in my time, A10, yes, this is what I need, God. I hope it doesn't get stuck on the way down, right? It's not a prayer vending machine. The, the purpose of prayer is not to impose our will, but rather to surrender to God's will. Not to bend God towards the direction of our will, but rather to bend our hearts to the direction of his will. Come on, somebody. That when we, when we spend time with God in prayer, it's not us saying, God, you see all these things. I need you. Like, help me here. Help me bless all this. It, it, look, when he said, uh, man, when, when you ask for anything in my name, I will give it. Well, there's a principle, though. It says, seek my kingdom first. And so when we seek God's kingdom first, our will conforms more to his will. And so we bend towards the will of God rather than asking God to bend towards 
our will. So now all of a sudden we're praying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life, in my family, in my resources, in our church, in our community, in our nation, in our world. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Before we are even submitting any kind of wish list of, Lord, I think this would be good. Like, like maybe do it this way, right? It's, it's a matter of saying, no, God, we want your kingdom. We want your will. I surrender to what you want in this situation or this area of my life. If you're with me this morning, say amen. And so as we then continue on and look at verse 11, one thing that we have to understand is that the first half of the Lord's prayer serves to put the second half in perspective. Because up to this point, we've related to God as Father. We've uh, wrapped our head around how awesome God is, how big he is. And, and we've yielded to his will and his kingdom. And then verse 12 happens. Notice verse 12 is, is typically where we would probably naturally start. Look at the first two words. Give us. Hello? Before we get into the give us part of prayer, God says, relate to me the right way and, and, and submit to my will and my kingdom. And then we get to the part that many of us would like to naturally start with. Give us today our daily bread. What, what is this talking about? It's talking about a request for provision and watch this, a recognition of the provider. It's a request for provision. It's a recognition that God is the provider, that he is the source. Amen. That, that he is the one that, that pours out his blessings on our life, that he is the source and that we trust the provider more than we trust in his provision. Hello? Give us this day our daily bread. Is it talking about a loaf of bread? No, it's talking about money, bread. You know what I'm, no, I'm just kidding. It's provision. It's provision. It's recognizing that Jesus, that, that God is our provider and it's a request for his provision in our lives. Then verse 12, it says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Look, this is the time in prayer that should be a natural part of our prayer lives. It should be a regular part of our prayer lives, not just something we do when we first give our lives to the Lord, not just something we do just at the beginning when, when we profess our faith in Christ. A regular part of our prayer lives should be asking for and granting forgiveness. Hello? It should be just a normal part of who we are as believers. When we pray, we ask God for forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I may have treated somebody uh, some kind of way this week or said something I shouldn't have said to a referee at a soccer game yesterday. Lord, forgive me. No, I'm, okay. Uh, I'm, I might've thought something about a situation that I shouldn't have thought. Hello, I, I'm not a perfect person. I need to ask God for forgiveness all the time. And if I know that God's going to forgive me, then I also have to be willing to grant forgiveness to the people that have uh, hurt me or offended me today or this week. Come on, don't act like you never get hurt or offended. Right? So a, a natural part of our prayer life should be, God, reveal anything that I've done that is unpleasing to you. Listen, 
in tune to God? What is there in my heart, Lord, that maybe is unpleasing to you? Repent. Then the second part, God, is there anyone I haven't forgiven that I need to forgive? How many of you know unforgiveness can kind of fester beneath the surface sometimes? And sometimes we fail to recognize it, but other times we just fail to forgive. And so a natural part of our prayer life should be, God, who do I have unforgiveness toward? And Lord, reveal that to me and then release that. Release them from that debt. Hello, it's like a debt. It says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Y'all know the parable about uh, the, the guy that owed the king, I, I don't have time to go into it, but, and I can't even reference it, but I'm just reminded of the scripture that says, uh, you know, there's this guy that owed all kinds of money to the king, right? Like millions. And he goes in and he pleads for mercy and the king gives him mercy. On his way out, he sees somebody that owes him like 10 bucks or something, right? Like a hundred or a thousand, something. Minimal compared to the big debt that he was forgiven. And he grabs the guy by the throat and like goes into a fit of rage over the little bit that he was owed when he had just been forgiven much. It's a picture of how God has forgiven us of so much. Come on now. But yet we sometimes hold on to the smallest of offenses against other people. Can I tell you, offense and hurt will hold you back from God's purpose in your life faster than anything. He says, Forgive us our debts and, and Lord, help us also to forgive our debtors. This should be a regular part of our prayer routine. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you didn't know it today, I just want to make you aware that you are engaged in a battle. That there is a spiritual war that wages around us, sometimes heavier than others, but there's a war going on in the unseen spiritual world. And Jesus says, don't forget to ask for help. Hello? Look, sometimes we try to be self-sufficient in the battle or we try to fight a spiritual battle with physical means. Jesus says, don't forget you're in a battle and, and look, you need to ask for help. You can't stand on your own. So he says, pray, pray like this. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. How many of you know temptation happens inside of us? The evil one is the one that controls this world, Satan, the enemy. Lead us not into temptation internally and deliver us from the evil one externally. That's not even in my notes. Bonus right there. <laughs> Lead us not into temptation. That's what's happening inside of us. But deliver us from the evil one. That's what's happening in the spiritual world around us. Don't forget you're in a spiritual battle. Don't end your prayer time without asking for help. So, yeah, amen. Come on, girl. Let's go. So, look, let's, let's, uh, let's review like this. Let's review like this. Look, I know this may seem like, ah, oh, it's simple, like easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. 
right? If we would apply these principles, I, I boiled it down like this. Number one, connect with God relationally. Our Father in heaven. Hello? Connect with God relationally. These are principles of prayer that are in the Lord's prayer. Number two, worship his name. Hallowed be thy name. Jesus, we praise your name. God, your name's above every name. Number three, pray his agenda first. Say first. We like to pray our agenda first. That's how we typically pray. Pray his agenda first in all circumstances. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my kingdom come. Not my will be done, but God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Number four, depend on him for what? Everything. Give us this day our daily bread. It's the acknowledgement that God is our provider, that he is our source. And number five, get your heart right with God and people. If we will live this way as Christians, we will, we will shine a little differently. Some of us come to church all the time, but we don't have our heart right with God and people. Get your heart right with God and people. Forgive, forgive us our debts and help us to forgive those who have sinned against us. We want to live with, with clean hands and pure hearts. We want to get our heart right with God and with people. Number six, engage in spiritual warfare. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some of us have gotten so comfortable praying, Lord, help me, Lord, protect me, Lord, bless me. But we've never really actually engaged in spiritual warfare. We, we don't know what it is to intercede for other people because we get so inwardly focused. Can I tell you that what God wants to do in the church will happen through a, a spirit of intercession. People praying for the needs of others. People praying for breakthrough in our communities. People praying for your brothers and sisters in the building and outside people that are, are lost and away from God. I just believe that, that we need to, if we're going to build the culture of prayer that we're talking about, we need intercessors. We need a spirit of intercession. I just feel the Lord on this, man. Like we need to pray for other people. But we so many times just get so caught up in praying for our own needs and our own kingdom, our own will. And I challenge us to be a church that intercedes for the needs of other people. There, there are needs all around. No shortage Man, I feel convicted at times when I think about, man, there are so many things that I could and should be praying for. So many people that are struggling, so many needs in our, in our city, in our nation, in our world that we can be praying for. And, and oftentimes we're just short-sighted in the way that we pray. So six principles in the Lord's Prayer. But look, you can't do any of this without the beginning part where Jesus said, go into your room, lock the door, Pray to your Father in heaven. In other words, we need a time, a place, and a plan. A time, a place, and a plan. It's really, this spiritual discipline of prayer is not all that different than other disciplines in our life, whether it be 
eating healthy or exercise or, uh, man, just like reading books, whatever kind of discipline it might be, it takes routine to, to build that discipline into our lives. Come on, some of y'all work out, some of y'all run, some of y'all have a regiment or a, a schedule that you go by, right? We need structure to our prayer lives. We need a time, we need a place, we need a plan. There's the old quote that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so I wanna challenge all of us as we, as a church are collectively working toward building that culture of prayer that we would have a time, a place and a plan. My hope is that over the next four weeks that we will begin to see a shift in the hunger level in our lives. Really, if, if we're not hungry for God's presence, if we're not hungry for the things of God, then the truth is we're, we're not going to make time to pray. And so I, my hope and my prayer is that over the next few weeks that this will challenge us to take our prayer lives to the next level. Because if we will do that individually, then collectively we can begin to build that culture of prayer that, that we believe that God is challenging us to do in order to prepare for what he wants to do. How many of you believe God wants to do amazing things here in our community? Come on. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about, um, man, I just actually hit 19 years as a Christ follower just a few days ago, actually. 19 years ago, when I came to the Lord, I really didn't grow up in church. I didn't see a lot of prayerfulness in uh, my family. My mom became a believer kind of later in my life before I came to Christ. So my, my filter was pretty limited. I didn't know a lot about prayer. I didn't know a lot about Jesus. I didn't know a lot about the Bible or church. But I remember as Laura and I came to the Lord, we, and we started to attend a, a local church that we were a part of for many years, eventually came on staff at, but uh, we, they started to have something that many of y'all have never heard of. It's Sunday night church. They had Sunday night church. And uh, they, before Sunday night church, we would have Sunday night prayer meetings. And you know, the committed Christians came on Sunday night. Well, some truth to that. But you know, there was, a, there was a sweet spirit of God on Sunday nights because it started with prayer. It was a smaller setting. And man, God would sometimes just do incredible things in that setting. But I remember as a brand new Christian coming out of a lifestyle just wild, reckless, away from God in the church, I remember listening to our pastor pray. And man, I, I, when I think about that and I think about his connection to God and, and for me, I was brand new and I was like hungry but I, I didn't have any knowledge or understanding. But what I saw in him was a, a real authentic connection to God. I believe that's kind of what, in a sense, the disciples saw when they saw Jesus pray. They saw a real connection. And look, when I saw that, I was like, man, I gotta learn to pray like that. I wanna be more connected like that. And he wasn't praying for show. He was praying because he was a man of prayer. 
And we were blessed to, to be a part of that church for a, a long period of time. And, and that is one of the things that I know that God instilled in me during that time was that, man, we, we need a vibrant prayer life. Man, if your prayer life is boring and just kind of like stale, can I tell you, that's not what God wants for you. God wants you to have a vibrant, authentic, connected, real prayer life where his presence and his power invades your life. Hello? So as we, as we close this morning, I just want to remind all of us that the reward is never what we get from God, but rather the reward is always that we are walking with God. The reward of prayer is not that God does what we ask him to do or need him to do. The reward of prayer is that we can relationally connect with God the Father through Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit comes into the room.